This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Stacy Westfall, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, the Western Dressage Edition. This is episode 568 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. The topic of today's show is connection and contact. Dolly Hannon joins me for the judge's view, and Joanne Williams joins me for the trainer's tip segment. But before we go to those segments, I have Diney Swanson joining me for a brief update from the WDAA, which, again, is the Western Dressage Association of America. WDAA is the recognized affiliate for Western Dressage with the U.S. Equestrian. And Diney, I hear you've been attending a lot of U.S. Equestrian webinars about how to get back into showing. Do you have any advice for me? Because I see a couple shows that are coming up near me in the next month. What should I be expecting? Well, it's going to be interesting. Um, USCS is very on top of this. Um, I've attended at least two webinars a week since since this all started. Um, you know, working with show organizers and managers and associations um, on how to get people back to showing. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing, first and foremost, they say to follow federal, state, and local guidelines. Those trump everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, USCF.org, if you go to their um, corona disease resources and updates uh, page, it's right at the very top of their website. Uh, they have a ton of resources um, with information not even relating, some of it not even relating to the horse business, um, about getting loans and um, all sorts of different things. Uh, they've got forms for unemployment, um, the CARES Act, all of that. Uh, so that is a incredible resource to follow up on if you need to find anything out. Um, so what I've found out is that USCF will begin um, allowing their licensed shows uh, to start up on June 1st. Mm-hmm. And even if shows aren't USCF licensed, uh, they're pretty much everybody is following that that guideline. Yeah. Um, at these shows, from what I understand, and it, it's it's going to vary everywhere. Um, but most entry and um, you know getting your ride times and checking in that is all going to be or should be online. It should be all digital. Uh, Secretary's offices are going to be closed. They're going to try and minimize contact as much as possible Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, the four secretaries are locked in the same room and having hundreds of people come in Mm -hmm. to see them. So um, uh, award ceremonies, those are going to be very different. Um, You know, no large groups, uh, everybody is pretty much required to wear, to wear a face mask, except when you're on the back of a horse, mm-hmm. uh, then, then you can take it off. Um, a lot of the collective classes, like rail classes, when you line up, there will be social distancing. Um, so you'll have to line up with six feet in between each horse, which will make some of the classes smaller mm-hmm. um, than usual. Um, 
Let me see what else. Like equipment checks, those will be visual. Uh, stewards or yeah, won't be touching the horses. They won't be touching the bit of the bridle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no spectators. I think I think they're limiting spectators. Just essential people. You know, families. Uh, they'll they're talking about limiting how many people can be back at the stalls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So it's everybody's going to have to be flexible and um, up for change yeah. and creative. Yes, I know that our. Uh, even the reigning world, which is not, uh, you know, not it, it, but like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the horse world is following the U S equestrian USEF guidelines. And I know that uh, some of those shows are starting up in June. And the first one I know of that went up, it sold out on stalls. So that will be really interesting because people, I know I'm excited about getting back to shows. So I, I see there's a show here in Ohio coming up, June 20th. And then I've heard that there's a big show in Kentucky, a Western dressage show July 4th at the Kentucky horse park. And so I'm really fingers crossed, hoping that all of these early shows in the beginning of June go off without a hitch so that we can hope that the summer kind of gets rolling again. Cause that's, I know that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are willing to, um, you know, bend and, and do some new things just to get back out there yeah. and start showing again. Uh, another thing that people will be required to sign if you're at a um, USCF show, particularly are uh, additional waivers. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, most shows, even if they aren't USCF, they'll have an additional waiver for you to sign. So yep. a little bit more paperwork. Yep. Um, also, I, I did want to tell you that we have a new, uh, partnership. WDA has a new partnership with ele- electronicvet.com and they provide that they will gather all of your horse's um, health history online so that you can send it straight to the show secretary so you don't have to worry about losing your coggins in the truck somewhere. That's convenient. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think people are adapting, but you know, it, it's things are going to be a lot more uh, digital, digitized. Well, yeah, I have to say that coming from the reigning world and coming into both, I rode traditional dressage and the Western dressage, and it was a big leap for me to get used to doing everything online. So in a way, the dressage world has been ahead of some of the other disciplines that, you know, I was used to just walking into the show office and doing it. So there's there's a bigger learning curve over, on like in my world over on the reigning side where people aren't used to doing that and now they will be. And then I love what you just brought up because yeah, I, I got really good at labeling and uploading my membership cards, my Coggins papers, my vaccination records, my, I was like, I have this figured out. I might've learned more about organizing (laughs) paperwork due to entering my online dressage and Western dressage than anything else. So it's good. It's good that I, I have now that I got used to it. I really enjoy yeah. it. We just need to convert the reigning world into ride times because that is also <laughs> a game changer. Like I'm so excited yeah. about ride times in the dressage world. So, well, thank you so much for joining me today and giving me an update. And I hope that we hear a lot more about shows that are starting up the next time we talk. Thanks for having me. 
This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Joining me for the judge's view, I have Dolly Hannon. And Dolly is a USEFS judge and a USDF certified faculty member and a USEF Large R Western Dressage judge. She's based out of Colorado, but she travels worldwide helping people learn the art of dressage. And I had the pleasure of auditing one of Dolly's clinics earlier this year, and I ended up with several pages worth of notes. But tonight in this podcast, I would like to discuss the topic of connection and contact from the judge's point of view. So Dolly, I'm going to jump right straight in with if you could describe the proper contact and the question I mostly really, really, really want the answer to is what is the difference or is there any difference when you're judging the contact between Western dressage as compared to traditional dressage? Is there a real difference in terms of the expectation from the judge? 
in a classical dressage or an open dressage show versus a Western dressage show? Mm -hmm. No, there really isn't a difference. Although I must say that in the Western dressage USCF rule book, it's very clear that not only is the pole the highest point in terms of the frame or outline, but also the horse is slightly in front of the vertical with their nose. And I believe in our open dressage shows, if the horse is on the vertical, that is also acceptable. When we talk about contact, contact is defined as how the horse accepts the rider's influence, hands, aiding, and connection. Is the horse equal on both reins and both sides? If not, do we see a head tilt? And what is the source of that head tilt? Are there any mouth issues? I see many open dressage horses and Western dressage horses that have a closed throat, which looks more like a V in the connection from the head to the horse's neck versus a U-shaped throat that is more open as the horse reaches out to the bit and contact. Mm. Correct contact is evidenced by the mouth being basically closed and soft with a soft chewing of the bit and showing a somewhat foamy, quiet mouth. A very dry mouth is um, an indication that the horse is a bit nervous. The tongue stays down under the bit and inside the mouth, obviously. Licking and chewing are fine, as long as it does not look like a nervous habit. And oftentimes, if they're really busy with their mouth, sometimes that's also accompanied by the grinding of the teeth, which is an indication of tension or nervousness. So the horse's look should look as if it's happy with the connection, the contact from the rider. It reaches to the bit. It looks comfortable in its mouth and it's happy in its expression. Mm -hmm. The horse looks like it's reaching out through the neck. And short necks are a big issue in um, some open dressage shows. It looks as if the horse is seeking the contact and it carries itself in an appropriate frame for the level and movement. This can be breed specific and is somewhat affected by, for example, looking at the way the neck is set on. If we look at a quarter horse versus a Frisian, that's an, that's an example of a mm -hmm. wide difference. Mm -hmm. Since many of the Western dressage horses you see are of a quarter horse type, the neck carriage might be somewhat lower, but the horse should still, with more training, be off the forehand and be in good balance. And you can't really talk about contact without talking about connection, because mm -hmm. that's the end result of a correct connection, is a correct contact. And the connection is the transmission of the energy from the hindquarters of the horse with engagement. And it's important to know that engagement is the bending of the joints in the hindquarters when the foot is on the ground, not up in the air, but when the foot is grounded, mm. which is transmitted over a supple swinging back and a supple neck to the bit. This energy is then recycled or channeled back through the horse's body, through the contact, and the process starts over. So you start to have a circle of energy from the hindquarters over the back to the bit with correct contact, and then it starts back back over. Start, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the cycle starts over again. And the way you can tell is you see 
some activity of the hind legs, you know, not shuffling, not dragging the toes, the swinging of the back, the reaching to the bit, and the expression in the horse's face and mouth and tail. I mean, we look at the whole horse. This gives you an indication of correct harmony or not. And harmony is highly emphasized in Western dressage. Another term which I like is willing cooperation. We're moving away from submission. Submission sounds too harsh. And willing cooperation sounds much more correct in terms of the philosophy of correct open dressage training and Western dressage training. I think this is a little bit more emphasized in Western dressage. However, if I'm judging any class, harmony is a major factor in my assessment not just the size or the expression of the gates. So when, so, oops, oh, go ahead. When, go ahead. so I have a quick question. When you're judging like uh, the, like say you're looking at a, you mentioned at one point like the, the levels and, you know, appropriate to the level. So if you watch a first level horse, can you, can you kind of compare and contrast what you'd be looking at watching a first-level horse as a judge and what you'd expect versus, um, let's say, a fourth-level in Western dressage. So can you explain what the difference you would, you would expect to see in that um, from the judge's point of view? Well, even in level one, we're expecting the horse to um, have some impulsion. And I think that's been one of the main things that's been a little surprising perhaps for some of the competitors that come from um, other Western disciplines, you know, maybe reigning, I don't know, but definitely Western pleasure is that the horse is expected to uh, be engaged, have an active hind end, cover some ground. They don't have to track up. That's been an important point because you have some horses that aren't as long strided, but they can still cover ground and look active and supple they can Mm -hmm. look engaged and so even at level one we're expecting the horse to have some balance we're expecting the horse to start to have a little bit of self-carriage and start to be a bit more uphill if you look at the definitions i'm opening up my little diagram book Hmm. Um, it's pretty clear if you look at the test what the expectation should be. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to think about studying those score sheets, but it's quite important. Level one, it talks about the horse is building on the elements from the lower levels, developing more engagement, which we already discussed, to show sufficient impulsion and so that they can lengthen their jog and lope. The horse demonstrates a more consistent light contact with the bit, these tests produce some collection, some lateral work and longitudinal balance. Suppleness, which of course is emphasizing harmony and rideability. If we skip forward to level four, which we're not, we're not seeing too many yet, but we're going to see more, I'm sure, as this becomes even more popular. Level four talks about the horse has achieved the impulsion engagement, again, the bending of the joints in the hind leg. Uphill balance and self-carriage required required in level three. And the movements should be performed with greater engagement, straightness. And straightness is a big topic because if we look at some of the um, 
open classes or group classes, the horses, especially in the lope, are quite crooked. So the emphasis here is for the horse to be in a shoulder four with the shoulders a little bit to the inside, which creates a straight horse. So that, that's been true in dressage training for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. The, also, the expectation for suppleness, bend, and balance is higher. There's a marked lightness of the forehand, which means you can move those shoulders around quite easily, resulting from a distinct lowering of the hindquarters, again, engagement, and throughness. Now, throughness is a big word. It means there's no crookedness, no balance issues. There's nothing to block that flow of energy that we talked about earlier in terms of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's highly um, regarded or demonstrated, better word, in the lope pirouette. If a horse is going to do a lope pirouette, they have got to lower the hindquarters and be light in front. A, sal- a solid foundation is evidenced throughout by correct, willing, harmonious performance. And the horse looks softly on the aids. So there's a big jump. Yeah. A big jump. And if you look at the movements included at the different levels, you get a pretty good uh, idea of what the judge expects. If I'm judging, it doesn't matter if it's open dressage or western dressage. If I feel as though the horse is not quite up to the level, they're not quite up to the expectation, I try to be nice about it, but I'll say, please review the purpose to understand what the judge expects to see. And then on the test, if you, again, study the test, there are directive ideas or directives. It's the column next to the description of the movement. And that tells you how the judge will assess you. Mm -hmm. So it starts to become pretty clear how the judge would be thinking um, in their assessment and, you know, what they expect to see. And, um, I see the quality getting quite a bit better. Um, I went to one of the first world shows when I taught a group apprentice program for them. And the quality from, I'm I'm guessing that's like five or six years ago, from then until now, is impressive. Mm, Um, Much better quality. Yeah, better training. Um, And it's interesting that specifically the connection and the contact is better. You know, mm-hmm. the horses look more correct in their mouth. They're not showing signs of nervousness or tension. Um, and I think it varies. And if you're going to definitely see um, more contact into a milder snaffle than in a curb bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, there should be a give and take. There should be a communication. For me, I, you know, I keep thinking about, all right, does the horse want to be in, in relationship with me through this connection? Mm-hmm. Am I bringing these reins to life? Or am I, you know, either becoming static, meaning there's no no communication? Mm-hmm. Or am I too strong? Is my timing off? So, you know, the horse's mouth and their expression and face is kind of the window to their soul. I know that sounds silly, but you really see a lot, you know, how is the horse feeling? Right? Um, yeah. Is there a happy relationship going? And when there is, it's rewarded. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot of talk about only big gates scoring well, but that's not true. It's based on the correctness of the gates in within the training scale, correct basics, ending in a harmonious performance that looks light and fun. I mean, it looks as if the pair really enjoy each other versus, mm-hmm. you know, looking as if it's a struggle. It should never look like a struggle. 
Yeah. And in Western dressage, with harmony being even more emphasized, you know, as judges, we really have to look at the connection, the correctness of the use of the top line. And then what happens with that energy? How balanced is the rider? Mm-hmm. How quiet and soft are their hands? You know, do they look as if they're receiving the energy and telling the horse what to do with it? Or do they look like they're interfering to some degree? Right. So these are all things we're assessing in every movement on the test. Now, um, I'm curious. I know that when I was getting started in dressage, I know that doing some of like the stretchy circles was an area that had a lot of um, a lot of questions around it. And I know I run a Western dressage Facebook group and a lot of people are like, how do you get this? You know, it's like, what what is expected for the connection when you're doing like a um, like a stretchy circle in a test or even a walk, even, even really walking from like a free walk. And so mm-hmm. if you're doing, if you're doing that, what is the judge looking for? And I guess inside of that question is like, where do you see problems with connection? And do you have any advice for people who are showing like, if only you would do just a little bit here, that might help me score you a little bit higher. Okay. Well, um, Proper connection and contact are shown through the execution of the transitions and very specific movements, for example, the stretching down circle in the jog or free jog and the free walk. Does the horse seek the contact and swing over the back while covering ground and balance or not? These two movements show acceptance of the aids and whether or not the training is correct or not. Does the horse stretch down willingly and seek the contact in your free jog or stretchy chewy trot circle or jog circle? Um, Sometimes the gates get worse in these movements due to tension, jigging in your free walk or rushing in the stretching circle and a lack of balance. Mm -hmm. And then what we really look for is when the training's correct, the gates improve. When the rider loosens the reins and allows the horse to move freely forward, I think that oftentimes people don't work on really teaching the horse to stretch down. They don't lengthen their reins and shorten them. I write on many, many tests, please lengthen your reins. And you have to be clear on the test that it says long rein versus loose rein. Most of the time, a free walk is a loose rein. Mm -hmm. An extended walk would still be on a contact. But the horse should look as if it's seeking the connection or stretching down, relaxing their back. So I think riders need to work on those transitions more so that the horse accepts the shortening of the reins and doesn't get nervous and jig. In the stretching trot circle, one thing that helps as a judge for is for you to have done enough of it to have in your mind what a 10 is, and I do. I've seen it both in Western dressage and in open dressage. The horse came in with a very correct jog or trot, correctly connected, swinging over the back, quiet in the mouth, They came into the 20-meter circle. Within the first quarter of the circle, they stretched down. Now, in terms of where the head and neck goes, the pole should be below the withers. They do not have to have their nose in the dirt. Very few horses can balance there. But the nose should probably be approaching the knees, and the horse should look as if its nose stays on or a little bit ahead of the vertical. They don't lose balance. They don't speed up. They don't slow down. You can show an accurate circle. They willingly stay stretching and swinging for half a circle. The rider shortens the rein. The horse says, well, sure, that's great. Let's go. 
shortens the rain, and they, in that last quarter of the circle, develop their connection appropriate to the level and go on. And it's, it, it was put in to really check the correctness of the training. Before that, at least in open dressage, there was nothing like that. There might be a release of the reins, but there wasn't a movement that expected the horse to really come round down over the back and look correct in their basics. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's a real indicator of correct training. That was an excellent description. Thank you. You're welcome. Very good. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the 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 like recommendations for somebody showing and to make sure that they show proper connection and contact when they're showing? Well, I think it really does depend on the level. However, the horse should look as if it really accepts the rider's direction mm-hmm. through the hands, through the balance. Does it look as if if the rider, you know, loosened the reins or felt a little forward, the horse would softly seek the connection? Where did you go? Or would the horse lose balance and, you know, drop its back or get, you know, get upset? It should look like a real um, harmonious relationship through those reins. Those reins really have come to life. I think it's important if you're riding in a curb bit to be able to show a little bit more lightness, a little bit more suppleness. You know, if the horse stretches into the snaffle bit, it's a pretty mild bit. Curb bit, depending on what it is, has a lot more leverage. So I like to see um, not a loose rein. You know, I know in the Western Open classes, the reins are expected to be very long and loose. That's not correct. The horse should be in a light contact, but it should look as if it's in self-carriage. You know, does it want to be there? Does it look in balance or does it look like it's leaning on the reins or that the rider's worse yet balancing on the reins? That's a big, that's a big um, comment. I find myself at times riding on the bottoms of tests mm-hmm. that the rider must be more balanced and more independent so that the hands look as if they're almost giving to the horse versus holding the horse back. And we yeah. want to see free moving horses. Yeah, Western you know, dressage or open dressage. Yeah, something you said earlier that that you know I keep finding myself if I'm if I'm if I'm sitting here listening and I'm really thinking about it is that when I read the word connection and when I talk about it, I'm automatically thinking about acceptance of the bit, but I'm leaving out the second half of what I'm. I'm sitting here looking at a training pyramid version of the training period, and it says acceptance of the bit through acceptance of the aids and you started the conversation by saying that it was acceptance of all the aids but if i think about it a lot of times i'm defaulting to thinking primarily about the connection only in my hands you know i'm not thinking right. like it and, and and i'm sitting here as i'm listening to you realizing that you know i mean i i i I do bridleless riding, which is the opposite of riding with the reins. And yet, when I read the word connection, I automatically assume it's with the bit. And so what I, what I really am going to take away from this conversation is what you opened with and then illustrated throughout, which was it is that whole circle, but it's also the circle of my aids, my seat, my legs, it's, which also is going to help that connection and that contact because I'm not going to be 100% focused on getting everything through my hands, which makes sense when I say it, but I can feel as I'm listening to you that my 
brain wants to default back to like a laser focus on the bit in my hands instead of the whole picture, which is really interesting. Yeah. Well, one thing I've always found very interesting is if you think about it, if the horse is truly on the seat, the hands are orchestrating. The hands are a little bit more like the conductor in front of the orchestra pointing, Mm -hmm. you know, conducting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And actually, you know, unless they're playing a very strong piece, it's quite delicate. Yeah. And I think about the body being in the aids and the seat being the actual instruments. I mean, if you 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 ride bridleless, the horse must be on the seat. The horse Mm -hmm. must be on the legs. The horse must be connected and balanced. It's just that they're trained enough that they don't need that bit in their mouth to follow your seat correctly. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I think connection, I really think about all of the elements of the training scale to the bridle or to the contact or to the mouth. And then if I'm going to separate it out and talk about contact is how the horse accepts that connection to the rider's hands specifically mm-hmm. or, and the aids. I mean, they've got to work together. So to right. me, it's, it's hard to separate them out. I think we all have to be careful not to have, I know I do, I have a pretty strong um, case of dressage-itis, which is an unexplained fixation for the head of the horse. I'm convinced <laughs> I can stare them onto the bed, which is ridiculous, but I'm convinced. So yeah. I, I think we can't help, you know, connection, yes, we think about the bit, but we've got to really start with the back end. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's so wonderful about Western dressage is that it's taken horses that perhaps haven't really learned to engage or swing through their backs or have correct impulsion or connection to the bit and have them bring their withers up and have them bring their pole up as the highest point and have them have pure, correct gates. I mean, to me, the reason I've gotten so excited and involved in Western dressage is we're going to make correct, healthy, happy athletes, which should be the case in any type of training. I mean, dressage means training. So in any correct training, the horse should become strong enough and muscled enough. They stay sound for a long time. We have several horses. We have a 27-year-old in our barn still going, still wow. sound. So wow. it, it's very exciting to see how much how much better we're taking care of our horses. And I'm so happy to see it, you know, go into other disciplines and especially forming this new discipline that's just grown like nothing we've ever seen. So I'm very excited about the future for Western Dressage. As am I. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And if anyone wants to find you online, where's the best place that they could find you? Well, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Dolly Hannon Dressage. I also have a website, dollyhannondressage.com. And having a unique name, I'm not too hard to find. So if anyone has any questions, I would certainly be happy to answer any questions. Um, And I'm training at Legacy Valley Farm in Arvada, Colorado. And I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much. And I will be having you on again when I discuss freestyle. That will be a fun episode. Well, that's my thing, you know. That's that's. That's one of my main um, interests, so that'll be fun. Mine too. I look forward to it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Today on the trainer's tip, I am interviewing Joanne Williams and I'm going to tell a little story because last year in 2019, I went to the Western Dressage World Show for the first time and a friend went out with me and we were walking through the stadium and we were and there was a class going and I was trying to find the show office and I looked out into a class that I didn't even know what it was and I saw this amazing horse totally overlooked the rider I saw this amazing horse and was like what is that horse and I wanted to know so badly that I actually memorized the number and took it to the show office and was like, tell me what this horse is. And that was my first introduction to Joanne Williams. And to say a little bit more, they Joanne and her horse were actually the division champions in level three and level four and had the highest score of the entire world show last year. So I was definitely, I, 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 it was a good pick of mine when I very first saw Joanne and her amazing horse. Joanne is also a Western dressage judge, but tonight we're going to be talking about a trainer's tip on contact and connection. So Joanne, were you aware of that little story? I think I told you that when I met up with you. No, I have no idea. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. You were showing in, it must have been one of the rail classes when it was the group, the yeah. group and it was on that first day. And I was like, what is that horse? I must know. And I did overlook you. <laughs> Had a good well, rider too. Really exciting. Really <laughs> exciting that, that we caught your attention, you know, someone with your credentials. Um, oh. I'm honored that we were noticed. Oh, more than noticed. I mean, the, the, the young lady that was with me, she was like, she was like, what is it? I'm like, I don't know. So then can you tell me, can you tell all of us how your horse is bred again? Because I was, that was one of my first questions when I did get near you. I was like, what is he? <laughs> and you were like, he's a giant Welch cob, correct? Yes, but the Welch cobs can be large. Um, he's fairly tall at 15'2". Mm -hmm. For a cob, most of them are about 14.2, um, 14.3. He came from a very good performance line of cobs. So, you know, has kind of lived up to his breeding. Yeah. Do you have any videos of him on YouTube or your Facebook? Because he is gorgeous. I have actually the video of my Saturday night freestyle which I was having so much fun. Mm -hmm. He's a little 
he's a little brilliant, but he was so, so good the entire show. I just couldn't be prouder of him. Yeah. He uh, stepped to the plate and did absolutely everything. Any mistakes were mine, not his. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's amazing. So anybody who's listening, if you get a chance, we're going to give out the contact information for finding Joanne, or you can find it in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. But he is really, really, they, they are a, an amazing team to watch together. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you in particular about developing contact and connection with a horse. I know that you train and show in both the Western dressage and traditional dressage. And I know that you're actually really active inside of my Western dressage Facebook group. And one of the questions that I see come up over and over again is about developing contact. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of switch back and forth between the words contact and connection, and you can fill in the blanks however you want, Joanne. But what I see a lot of questions about is like, how do I develop that and what level of contact do they want? And I would love to get some tips because your horse was, oh, you're, it was just so perfectly like exactly what I want. So, so if you can give us any tips, let's jump in with somebody who's um, maybe they're just getting started and, you know, they've got a horse that they've been trail riding and they're, they're watching the Western dressage online and they're hearing about contact or connection what is some of the early on things you would like to tell them? Um, well, what I'd like to do today is to clarify a system to help the horse learn connection, to help the rider learn how to create that. But I'm going to start then with just the definition of contact. Now, in Western dressage, We want to see the horse stretching over his top line into a rounded outline on the softest contact possible. Now, in the beginning of the work, through all of this that I'm going to talk about today, I prefer to use a snaffle bit and I ride with two hands. Mm -hmm. So beginning of the training or reschooling, if you have an older horse, The horse has to learn how to accept the contact, which is also called acceptance of the bit. The rider gathers the slack out of the reins and with elastic elbows and a soft fist follows the movement of the head and neck. The contact should be in ounces, not pounds, and the horse has to go willingly forward with rhythm and relaxation through all of the simple transitions and in maintaining a steady tempo. Uh, The horse should also be starting to understand how to bend his body around the rider's inside leg and seat bone. That's the easy part. Here's the hard part. The rider has to learn how to follow the motion of the horse without changing the amount of contact. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the hard part. Easier said than done, especially at the walk and the lope because of the undulation of the neck. Yes. And at this stage, at the contact stage of training, the rider is not trying to influence the position of the neck, except perhaps a little opening of the inside rein for steering 
and for introducing the bending. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, so, when 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 if a if if somebody has a horse, it kind of looks to me like when I when I see people riding, the the two most common things that horses might do to them are either pull the reins out of the rider's hand or hide behind the bit. Can we talk a little bit about both of those? Oh, yes. Um, you know, those are the errors in contact, which will become errors in connection because they're not the same thing. You can have contact without connection, but you can't have connection without contact. Mm. So the answer to all these evasions that the horse may pull out of his hat is to allow him the time to understand if the horse hides behind the bit, you like this. It's the universal answer. If he hides behind the bit, more leg. Mm -hmm. If he roots down, more leg. (laughs) (laughs) So the answer to everything in the world is more leg. More like, so when More you're like. when you're doing that, if if you let's say that you've got a horse that is either if the answer is more leg and the horse is rooting out or hiding behind, do you find that you like to do um, more something on circles or more straight lines while you're doing that, while you're adding more leg? Me here, yeah. When I'm working on this basic work, I use a lot of bending lines rather than straight lines. It's easier for the horse to understand. Mm-hmm. And when I say more leg, if they root down, they're going to get a sharp tap in the sides with one heel, mm-hmm. whichever is the bending side, just a little bump. If they hide behind a bit, I'll use a slower squeeze with both legs as I push my hands forward to try to invite them to reach the neck out to the bit. I like that description. So, good, good. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, and I like that this, description. The first stage of accepting the contact, it can take days, it can take months. But it's important to take your time because if the horse does not accept the contact or accept the bit, he's never going to have a correct connection. Mm -hmm. That is is definitely great advice. And one thing that I want to run by you is I've been teaching people and trying to figure out how to get them to use their elbow more. And one thing I noticed was Mm -hmm. when they were lunging their horses, if I can get them when they're lunging their horse to think about on the lunge line, starting to develop the feel of using that elbow and having a correct contact, even in their groundwork of like, of, of light lunging like that. It seems like that seems to help riders understand the elbow where sometimes they want to use their wrist more when they're riding. Have you ever you know, have, have you, what, what rider habits are you generally seeing when you're, if they're making mistakes and they're not using their elbow, where do you see the riders compensating or, or changing their bodies if they're not using that contact through the elbow? I usually see stiffness through the arms. And then every time the horse goes to move the head and neck in the normal motion, the horse gets a little bump on the end of the reins Mm -hmm. and this is this is hard it's easier at the walk because there's less going on but at the lope especially a locked arm will have the horse 
hitting the bit at the bottom of the stride. And it's so, and we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. And I have to tell myself, relax, follow, follow, keep the contact the same. So that, that I think is the biggest error because in the lope, there's a lot more going on Mm -hmm. that you have to make sure to follow that contact. And I agree with you completely about using the lunge line to help the riders learn about elastic arms uh, to take that even a step farther. You can double lunge or work in the long lines, and then they are literally riding the horse from the mm, ground. Mm-hmm. That's great advice too. I, that I I love ground driving, and so that makes mm-hmm. sense. Why? Because the other thing that's nice, I find that if especially effective for a horse that wants to hide behind the bit because it's hard for them to hide behind the bit when you're ground driving. You and naturally end up stepping, you end up asking them to go forward, which is essentially more leg, which helps sort out that whole problem of Mm -hmm. contact. That's, that's a good reminder too. Now, what about when somebody starts moving up through the levels a little bit more? So they've, let's say they've got some of the basic contact down, but they start moving up through. Are there certain movements or tests or areas that you find where people start to like almost have another, like, like they had a level of, of connection or contact and connection. Where do you see some of that being challenged again as they move up through the levels? Well, definitely the biggest challenge is from level one to level two when you start to add collection. Mm. And collection is so misunderstood. The connection plays a huge role in how correct the collection is going to be. Mm. Now, remember that in our introductory level horses, they really only have to show acceptance of the bit. And unless they're doing the total giraffe act, they don't have to be round. They have to be relaxed. They have to show that they want to reach into the bridle and be soft and supple and and relaxed. But even by the time you come to basic, you have to start to ask that horse for a connection. Mm-hmm. And if I may, uh, a good definition of connection is that it comes from the hind legs. It comes through a relaxed, lifted, swinging back, reaching into the bridle in a rounded outline. The hands, the legs, the seat, they all work together to create that connection. When it's right, it's a fabulous feeling. The horse is self-propelled. He's more uphill. And he's a little bouncier, but in a really good way, like being on a trampoline or sitting on the edge of a waterbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, your horse looked like an amazing example of that. Is there anything else you'd like to add for the listeners on this contact connection discussion before we go? Oh, I can do this all day. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me just let me just start here with a very basic system to help people train their horses in connection, taking the step from contact to connection. Okay. So 
the rider's legs create the energy in the hind leg and with the seat influence the bending through the horse's body. Then we use the hands to ask the horse to soften and flex his jaw around the entire top line. I start asking for that softening of the jaw on the ground. I either stand somewhat facing the horse, don't stand right in front of him, you're going to end up in the dirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> because some horses will just say, I want no part of this and give you a good hard push with the nose. It's not fun. <laughs> um, so a little off to the side, I take one rein in each hand, kind of under the chin. One rein stays steady. The other rein massages and sponges, and that horse will release his jaw and lower his pole and flex a little. And at that point, I stop asking, mm -hmm. and I soften and release all the pressure. When they understand that from on the ground, then I can start to ask when I'm riding. Mm -hmm. Yep. So when you're right, to take it to the next step, the easiest way to ask the horse to start to create a connection is by asking on bending lines, on a circle. Mm -hmm. Create an active walk on contact. Don't nag with your legs. Get them active and then coast. Increase the contact on the outside rein until the horse brings his head and neck about an inch to the outside of the circle. Maintain this increased contact while still following the motion with your elastic elbows. Softly squeeze and release with the inside hand, asking for bend to the inside. And as the horse flexes his jaw to the inside, the contact on the outside rein will encourage him to round and stretch the top line. At the same time, your inside leg is going to be stretching down, pushing and releasing in rhythm with the gait to bend the ribs and bringing the inside hind leg more under the body with a longer stride. The response from the horse should be a lifting and swinging in his back, a rounding and stretching of his neck to the bit. When that happens, reach forward with your hands. Stop asking. Mm -hmm. Let the horse carry himself. You may only get two strides in a row. Next time you ask, maybe you get four. Mm -hmm. This can take weeks. It can take months. But the horse, you have to give the horse the time to develop both the mental understanding and the strength to do this work. This is like a hundred sit-ups. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like that you brought up the strength because I think that that is, uh, they're so big that we assume that they're strong and that we don't mm -hmm. necessarily think about fatigue. And there is that mental component and there is that physical component, especially when they're learning to really carry themselves like that. That has been awesome. And I know you do a lot of lessons and teaching and you do traveling lessons. So if somebody wanted to follow up with you and learn more, especially if they watch your horse, I'm going to find that video and post it. Because if they watch your horse going around, he was so cool. If they want to contact you, where is the best way for them to find you online? The best way to find me is through Facebook. 
I have a business page and a personal page, Joanne Williams Dressage. Just send me a, a Facebook message through either page, either my personal or my training page. Um, I'm on Facebook way too much, <laughs> so I'll be... <laughs> I'll be sure to see the message. Awesome. And I'll make sure that we put links to that in the show notes. And thanks again for coming on and for giving us the tips. And thank you for representing so well, because honestly, I was just blown away the minute I saw you and your horse, although I'm admitting that I saw your horse first and then you. <laughs> but it was, okay. it, <laughs> he's, a, he's a flashy dude. He's a really cool dude. Sharp dressed man. He is so cool. So, but, but it it was so much fun to talk with you at the show, and an honor to meet you. And I'm so glad that we've been able to connect. Yes. Well, thank you again for having. Uh, thank you again for for coming on and for taking the time and and uh, for sharing your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Diney Swanson. Dolly Hannon, and Joanne Williams for joining me on today's show. In next month's episode, we'll be discussing impulsion. If you're interested in hearing more from me, I have a podcast. You can find me on your podcast player by searching Stacy Westfall Horse Podcast, or you can join my private Western Dressage Facebook group at Western Dressage with Stacy Westfall, or you can watch my YouTube series, The Trail to the Western Dressage World Show, which I recorded last year as I was making my journey to the Western Dressage World Show. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Mm-hmm.